I'll call it the kindergarten carpet tie moment. It's that moment when you're in a conversation with somebody at a Shabbat table, at a bus stop, and you just splurge out an opinion that is very obvious to you about a commandment, about history, about philosophy, about Judaism, and suddenly you realize that opinion just completely and utterly came from kindergarten. It was what your kindergarten teacher explained to you in a very matter-of-fact way, and you just never sophisticated it up. Like, for example, the Jewish people built the pyramids, or how somebody with a tattoo cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. All not true. What I want to talk about is another one of those circle time moments when what we teach our children in a very simplistic way just does not stand up to scrutiny later on in life. This is more of a psychological twist. When you teach children about uh, the negative attribute of being haughty, of having gaiva, of being a big shot, the typical way you explain to a child is this person thinks he's so big and he needs to let everybody else know. Hey there, Mr. Gaiva, you think you're really hot, you know, all that. When in fact, I've never met someone who is, like they say, full of himself, while truly, truly being full of what makes him uniquely and specially human. Usually... Haughty people are full of what they've accomplished, of what they've done. But when that falls away for whatever reason, panic ensues, anger ensues. It's not, oh, I think I'm so great, I need to let everybody else know. It's, I feel so fragile inside, and I feel so rotten inside, and so worthless inside. I need to make this really big, thick crust of all my achievements and all my accomplishments outside of me so that nobody would even think of scratching to see that there's nothing inside. It's that fear of nobody should really know how horrible I'm feeling about myself. Let me distract them with everything I've done today or everything I've accomplished last week. What does it have to do with this week's Parsha? Well, actually plenty. In this week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayakal Bakude, which is the last two um, Parshios of the second book of, of Moses, uh, Shemos. The craftsmen, the craftsmen who are creating the tabernacle, the Mishkan, and they are called Chachmi Leiv. They are the ones who are crafting the, the, different, the different things to be used in the Mishkan. Now, thinking about it from a historical context, you have to remember that these people were slaves. For hundreds of years, they were in Egypt doing menial labor. Their work was laying bricks, digging holes, filling filling them over and over and over again. If you would look at their hands, they wouldn't be the fine, um, precise hands of a craftsman, of an artisan. They would be coarse, calloused, rugged hands of a construction worker. So the question is, how did these people know how to create these divinely beautiful instruments? Think of the, the Mishkan. Think of the gold, the silver. So we know that Betzalel, it's actually, actually my son's name, but Betzalel, who was the head of the artisans, he was divinely inspired. He was chosen from God from the day he was born. He was extra special. But the rest of them, they were people that were slaves. And they had the skill. They had the unbelievable world-class skill to, to create these ornaments. How did that happen? The Ramban, Nachmanides, uh, shed some light in a short passage that I really think is extremely telling. 
He says that they had two benefits that helped them along their way. The first benefit is that they looked inward and that they saw that they had the potential to do it. So they weren't kidding themselves. They didn't wake up thinking all their life they had two left hands and all thumbs. And they woke up one day and they deluded themselves to say, I'm going to build the Mishkan. I'm going to make the Choshen. They didn't do that. They looked in the word and they saw, I have that potential. This is something I think I could eventually do. I can't do it right now, but I could eventually do it. The second thing they did was they had this unbelievable desire, a focus, a goal, if you will. They saw the path and they saw the light at the end of the path was them creating the tabernacle, them creating the seat of God's presence in their midst, them creating the atonement for the golden calf and the model by which we really strive to forge our relationship with God nowadays. We don't have a tabernacle, but we still very much use this world and we um, make this world beautiful, the things around us, beautiful in service of God. It's very much using that model. They wanted to have part in that. That desire was so strong, they came to Moshe and they said, we'll do anything. We'll, we'll, we'll learn on the job. And they did. They learned on the job. So what can we learn from this? Well, I think we can learn two things. First of all, greatness comes from knowing your abilities. If we don't think we're any good, if we have low self-esteem, if we think that anybody can do better than us and we'll never have anything to contribute, it's not going to get us anywhere. We're never going to bring our potential into fruition. So we need to start from a place of, I think I can. I know I can. If God put me in this world, I can make my mark. And the second thing is that desire, that desire to make a difference, that pushed them to put in that 120% effort to actually make it happen. Sometimes we don't know that we can actually complete something, but our desire is so big that our talent becomes big. Our talent, in a way, is flexible to our desire. Who knows if somebody has a lot of talent, but little desire, and another person has a little desire and a lot of, a lot of desire and a little bit of talent, who knows who's going to do a better job? So they knew, they looked inside, and they saw that there was something there. And the second thing is they had that goal, and that goal, it made them passionate. It made them want to be more. It made them want to stretch. And that's where the big shot comes in. Because if somebody feels like they're empty inside, they have really nothing to give, then that's where the crust phenomena happens, where they can't let anybody in. If somebody feels they do have something to give, externally, that will translate into action. They will say, wait, I have all this in me that I just want to spill out. Where can I spill it out to? Who needs a volunteer? And that's what happened here. We had these chachmeleiv, these slaves. They had never worked gold before. They had never seen gold before, except in their master's closets. And here they were, creating the kalim for the mishkan. Our borders are much less static than we think they are. We're much more flexible. If we look inside, we see we have that potential, and we look outward, and we see, I want to make a difference here. And something that I was just thinking about 
again now this COVID-19 virus is when I'm praying today of course I'm praying for people to be healthy and for God to take care of every single one of us but me personally what I'm praying for now in these next few weeks is I want to come out having been able to be a giver of course taking and receiving is not a bad thing at all but if you go into a, a situation that could be tricky with the mission of I want to emerge having been a giver everything changes suddenly well it's a challenge it's an experience okay how can I be the giver in this case sometimes giving is also receiving but if you can go into every place saying, I don't know if I can do this, but I want to be the giver. A perfect example is a student, a dear friend of mine, who is spending the entire morning helping in a charity organization to pack boxes for people who are vulnerable to the disease and need to stay home. But she knows that she has what to give. She knows she is capable. And she's using it to help others in this challenging situation. So my wish to one and all, is may you emerge a giver, no matter where you are, no matter whether you're in an actively giving position or whether you have to take and receive right now. May you be a giver by praying, by your thoughts, by your actions, by saying thank you. Whatever the situation, may God give you the opportunity to take what's beautiful inside you, share it with the world, and become a giver. Stay safe, everyone, and have a great week.